0: Wisconsin's troubled juvenile prison Lincoln Hills keeps making headlines. Investigations into the state-run facility in northern Wisconsin began about two years ago over claims that the teenage inmates were being mistreated. Problems at Lincoln Hills, the boys' prison, and at the facility for girls Copper Lake have continued. Recently, inmates attacked staff. Some Democrats in the state legislature are calling for the prison to be closed within a year and for the state to adopt a new model. For today's Capital Notes segment, WUWM's Marty Michelson asks J.R. Ross of wispolitics.com whether the Democrats' proposal might gain traction. It doesn't sound like it so far. I mean, remember, Republicans control both houses, legislature, and the governor's office, so they haven't signed on board yet from what I've seen. If they did, that would change the dynamic quite a bit. But without Republican support, it just doesn't really seem like the bill's going to go very far. What's been interesting to watch is as these reports have come out, about more incidents at the facilities, Governor Walker is still saying he's not gonna visit them, uh, that he doesn't need to. He's asked Department of Corrections and they have appointed a new interim superintendent for the youth facilities. And Governor Walker has started talking about the people who are held there and the violent crimes that they've committed and also kind of started to try to pin some blame for the uptick in incidents on media coverage and a judge who has basically ruled that some of the practices at that facility uh, were not legal. That's been an interesting tactic from Walker. And what I'm trying to pay attention to is, will this become a, a re-election issue for Governor Walker in 2018? Um, I don't know if it's percolated yet to the point where it's going to become a major issue. But there is an opportunity if 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 the administration, the Governor Walker administration, doesn't get a handle on this and can't fix things, then it becomes a question of how he's running state government in general and the prison system, and that could be an issue for him.
1: Also on the election front, the race for Tammy Baldwin's U.S. Senate seat is gaining steam. Steve Bannon, President Trump's former strategist, says he's backing GOP hopeful Kevin Nicholson instead of longtime state lawmaker Leah Vukmir, who has been lining up endorsements of her own. Democrat Tammy Baldwin is building up her war chest as well. And meanwhile, the conservative Koch brothers have launched an ad campaign attacking Tammy Baldwin. So there's a lot going on there. Um, all in one week. Do you expect this um, contest to be in full force from now until the election next fall?
0: I don't know if it'll be a sustained presence on TV from now until next fall, but what I am watching and talking to people about is whether this kind of cluster of ads, because we had a super PAC backing Kevin Nicholson do a buy. We had another buy from a group that's uh, received money from Dick Uline, who is a Kevin Nicholson backer. This third organization running ads, it's at least $2.3 million, and probably more than that, on TV in a short period of time. What I'm watching is, are these groups going into the field with a poll before these ads went up in the air, and then going back after they run to see if it moves any numbers? Uh, one thing for Kevin Nicholson is that there have been questions about his political conversion to the conservative side. Uh, authenticity is a big thing with primary voters, and Republicans in Wisconsin don't really know Kevin Nixon very well. So some of these ads seem to be designed to try and bolster his credentials as a conservative for that primary in August with Leo Vukmir. Then looking at Timmy Baldwin, if you look at the map nationally, I mean, Wisconsin is one of the states that you have a Democratic center up for election that Donald Trump won. Now, he didn't win here as big a margin as he did, like, places like North Dakota or, uh, or sorry, the Dakotas or Montana, um, places like that, but he still won Wisconsin. And so if Republicans can you know, keep Trump voters engaged and um, get Trump Republicans to turn out, you know, they have a chance to beat Tammy Baldwin. Now, the flip side to that is that traditionally in this country, when you have a party in power in the White House, that party does not fare well in the midterm elections because there's a snapback. And so with President Trump's numbers not doing very good in Wisconsin right now, Tammy Baldwin's hoping to capitalize on some discontent with the president and hope that trickles down to Republicans in general and brightens their prospects for re-election next year.
1: The past week in Washington was marked by a heated dispute between President Trump and a couple of GOP senators who criticized Trump for the leadership style and tone that he set. Here in Wisconsin, we also saw a divide among Republicans. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss attacked GOP senators who were holdouts in state budget discussions, calling them terrorists. Fellow Republicans were outraged. Voss quickly apologized, but said he still was upset about how the budget negotiations played out. Now, this exchange makes it seem like nerves are running a little thin among Republicans who've shown a great deal of unity in recent years. So what's going on? Well, this has
0: been building for a while. Uh, we saw some of the first cracks in the, you know, Republican uh, unity last budget in 2015 when Governor Walker was off running for president, or laying the foundation for a run for president. And Republican lawmakers did not really care for that; that they felt like the governor kind of abandoned them during the budget. But they kept it mostly under wraps. So you know, there's, and there's always tension in the Capitol with one-party control, especially when it's been largely six and a half years now, of almost un- uninterrupted Republican control. So They've done the big things they wanted to do. They're now talking about more parochial interests. They've been around each other for a long time, and there's an old saying that you know familiarity breeds contempt. So they've had a lot of battles. They fought over things, and it just kind of accumulates after a while. Now the question is, how does this impact things going forward? And talking to and how does it impact the Southern Republican Caucus? And talking to members of BOSS's Caucus last week, you know, uh, I got kind of a, a range of reactions from. People sympathize with Voss's frustration that three Republican senators were able to get a package of vetoes promised to them. That that kind of changes the balance of how negotiations work in the Capitol. But they thought that Robin's word choice was, you know, poor. I talked to members who thought that they're just bewildered that this is still going on. We've, the budget had been done for a month, and there's still these kind of scars being uh, picked at from that battle. And then there are some members who are outright uh, unhappy with Robin Voss for doing it, but. As far as I can tell, there isn't any movement afoot to try and, you know, change leadership or to turn to somebody else besides Robin Voss, in part because, you know, they keep winning elections, and two, if Robin Voss were to sniff something like that out, he would be sure to put it down right away, and and if you were to try to challenge uh, the Speaker, you would probably end up in uh, his doghouse for a while. So I don't sense there's any kind of movement afoot about Robin's hold on the Speaker's office, but there's definitely some frustration in his caucus and there's a big question going forward about how does this these personal disagreements how do they impact the remaining agenda the capital. There are a lot of big bills out there that have have been introduced. I don't know right now which ones will get done for sure. Some have better prospects than others, but if you guys if Republicans can't get along, it may impact the bills they can negotiate and get done because you gotta work together to do some of these big things.
1: So it's possible that these divisions or disagreements might be deep enough that they could impact uh, GOP passage of legislation this fall or even make it tough to make their case in elections next fall?
0: It's sometimes, you know, when you have disagreements like this, if you're a Democrat, you need to be able to make a convincing argument about the ability of Republicans to govern. Uh, It can't just be that they squabble a lot. That's not going to really get you very far with voters. How do you have examples of places where they've fallen short? If you're a Democrat, you're going to say, look, they're not funding roads properly. They couldn't agree with a fund roads in a meaningful way because they couldn't have an honest discussion about a gas tax hike or a registration fee increase versus borrowing more money. And there's an example, according to Democrats, where Republicans have fallen short. So you have to make a connection, not just the squabbling, but a bigger issue of, here's an example of an inability to lead. And that's where you got, if you're a Democrat, you try and push at to drive that theme of voters.
1: Let's check in on the Foxconn deal. It looks like Governor Walker's job-creating agency, Wedick, is tweaking the language in the contract the state plans to sign with the Taiwanese electronics uh, giant. What have you learned about the problems in the contract that have forced this extra work?
0: We're just getting hints of what it uh, what it might be. There's been kind of talk about a detail that they wanted to work out to make sure taxpayers are protected. State Senator Tim Carpenter, is a Democrat from Milwaukee, He's on the WIDIC board. He's been kind of letting out a little bit more information now and then about this issue, saying it would put taxpayers at risk, but we have not seen the contract. And during a legislative a joint audit bureau, a joint legislative audit committee hearing last week, uh, Democrats pushed the administration to release the Foxconn contract for public review before the final vote, which could come November 8th, I believe it is, uh, from the WEEDIC board. Uh, they said no, they're not going to do that. It's still being worked out. But there are questions about that, and Dems are raising these issues, saying, what's going on, and why is it being held up? Remember, when the $3 billion package were four lawmakers, there was an impression it needed to be done by September 30th to clear the way for final negotiation of the contract. Well, we're well past September 30th at this point. So what's the hold of That's the question. What's the holdup, and why was this worked out before? Now, once the contract is signed, sealed, delivered, if that all happens, then this probably goes away. But if it lingers more, it just generates more questions about what's happening and why was this not taken care of earlier?
1: Now, Democrats are demanding that Weidick make contract uh, make the contract details public before the Weidick board votes. How likely is that going to happen?
0: I don't get the impression the administration is in any hurry to release that contract ahead of a final vote, so I'm not seeing that as a possibility right now.
1: And are there any issues or events that you'll be watching especially closely in Madison this week?
0: Uh, we have uh, the legislature coming back to the floor the state senate will be in uh, the assembly will be in so that kind of rust they've built up uh, over more of the month of being away I was got to shake it off and get back at legislating so uh, we don't have full calendars or we're still getting details of full calendars or finalizing things but it'll be interesting to see what they take up and uh, if they can get to any big bills between now and the, end of the year the tentative plan for both houses is uh, two days in the fall maybe a third in the assembly but we're not expecting a a heavy workload just yet, and that's going to leave a lot of bills to do And uh, we come back in January.
1: Good to talk to you, JR. Anytime. We'll talk to you again next week.